We need your help to keep the North Omaha History Podcast on the air. Please go to NorthOmahaHistory.com slash podcast, click on the Patreon button, and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. And thanks to Jim Collison for becoming a patron. Welcome to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Each week, Adam takes you on a guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past. If walls could talk, North Omaha schools would be much noisier, much more colorful, and much more complicated than anyone wants to hear. For more than 150 years, schools throughout the community have served students of all ages with a deep history, including segregation and school violence. It's hard to remember all the positive people and events that emerged in the community schools. Uh, in the early years of the Nebraska Territory, more than a dozen small towns emerged north of Omaha City. And so uh, you had uh, uh, schools in Saratoga for starters. Hey, hey Adam? Yeah, Steve, you know, it's, it's a fascinating thing when we really begin to look around the the area because we get to see that there was a whole there was there was there was a whole movement towards education that happened at the beginning of the Nebraska Territory. So you know it's 1854. You've just moved with your family across the Missouri River. You took the Lone Tree Ferry over the Missouri River. You land in Omaha City and you head north, and you get to a little town called Saratoga and you decide, hey, this is where I want to be. Now what am I going to do with my kids? And my research, in my research, I found that it was the 1860s when uh, the town of Saratoga really banded together and built a schoolhouse uh, for their kids. It was right on the corner. We know that it was on the corner, on the northeast corner of 24th and Ames. Today, that's a kind of a big open lot where there's a trucking company. But back in the day, uh, that was the schoolhouse. Since then, the Saratoga school has been rebuilt at least five times. Uh, the current version being opened in 1926. Now, there's a rumor that Saratoga School is actually going to close, and that's too bad uh, because we know now that Saratoga School is probably the oldest public school in Omaha that's been in continuous use the entire time. Another school school that was right up there uh, in Saratoga was called Brownell Hall. It was founded by an Episcopalian bishop, a really ambitious guy named Charles Worthington, who had a mansion down on 10th Street. He was a rich guy, came from New York. He was a bachelor, a uh, lifelong bachelor, who never had kids, apparently. And uh, Worthington was really ambitious about getting things going for the Episcopalians in Nebraska and in his early territory. So he had the school started up in Saratoga because Saratoga was the going concern at that time. There was also a giant hotel that was built there uh, called the Grand Hotel or Saratoga Hotel or a half dozen other names. Uh, but it closed by the 1860s, and Worthington had a school opened up right there called Brownell Hall. Brownell Hall went on to merge with another school and, and be reopened on South 10th Street and then over by Dundee, and that's called Brownell Talbot School. And it still exists in Omaha today, but its roots go all the way back to the 1860s in North Omaha in the Saratoga neighborhood. Pretty exciting place. And then Florence as well. You know, we can't forget the story of Florence, but, you know, what's even cooler than that is going further. So Florence started in 1854 with James Mitchell, who was a business guy from Iowa. Uh, but before him, 10 years before him, in the 1840s, 
the Mormons came through on their way to Salt Lake. And we've talked about that before. But, you know, one of the important elements about the first settlement that they created right out at uh, State Street and the Mormon Bridge Road, right at that intersection, there was a town that was started there originally that was called Cutler's Park. And Cutler's Park was laid out with streets and it had houses and it had blocks and the whole nine yards. And Cutler's Park didn't make it. Uh, the local tribes complained that that was prime hunting land. So the Mormons up and left that area. They moved three miles back east towards the river uh, onto the spot where more, where Florence was eventually started. But in the meantime, they left behind a school. And we know that a school was one of the first uh, things that they built right there in Cutler's Park. So the very first school in Omaha goes all the way back to the Mormon migration to Salt Lake. Uh, they got back to the area where Florence is today, and they founded Winter Quarters instead of Cutler's Park. And at Winter Quarters, they also had a school. So we know that those early, early, early schools existed long, even before Nebraska Territoryhood, when it was called Indian Territory, and the whole thing was off-limits to white people anyway. And then, of course, Florence itself started its school in 1854, and it is on at least its fifth building. Um, the earliest buildings being located right on their former first main street, and there's a historical plaque there for it now. And then another one being built up 31st at State Street and uh, their current school uh, where it is today, which was built in the 1960s and opened then. Florence has a long history of uh, educating its kids really well. You have a, a, a blog post on the uh, what was the town of DeBolt. It was there for a while, kind of grew and then waned and then became part of Omaha. But it had uh, uh, some commerce and a railroad stop and, and all that. But it also had a school. 60th and Girard, for those who like going places, right out off of uh, Sorensen Parkway, was the site of a little town called DeBolt or DeBolt Station. Uh, DeBolt was the, it was a junction of two railroads, the Omaha Road and the uh, Fremont Road that ran right through it. And the DeBolt station is where the local farmers took their cows on and off the train and put freight on there and whatever, um, moved their produce back to the city and all that. In the meantime, a group of folks lived out there. There was a colony of, of uh, Norwegians that lived out there who... We and, and a colony of Danes that lived out there, and we know that they eventually started the uh, Danish Springwell Cemetery. The Danish Springwell Cemetery, though, almost had a different name, as did DeBolt, because for a minute, uh, the, they had a school that started out there right at 60th and Hartman Street, and that school uh, was called Springville School. And the Danes said, hey, should we rename our cemetery to match the name of the school? And they thought about it, but board minutes show that they decided not to. So we have uh, we have the Danish Springwell Cemetery and the Springville School. The Springville School grew and grew. It served the town of DeBolt. Uh, there were times when it was open. There were times when it was closed. But for the most part, it stayed open since at least the 1870s and probably earlier still. And uh, recently, just in the last 10 years, they got a new building. And it's very successful out there. It's a beautiful school. And lots of good things are happening. But yeah, that's definitely one of the oldest schools in the entire North Omaha community. Okay, now here's one, Nebraska School for the Deaf and Dumb. 
So the Nebraska School for the Deaf and Dumb actually has a really great legacy uh, that goes really far back. In the 1880s and 1870s, there was a movement across the United States to make sure that deaf kids could actually get educated. You know, nobody wanted to see them stay at home and be idle, so they figured out a course of education. At the same time, the American Sign Language movement was picking up, and lots of things were happening in the states to embrace uh, the abilities of deaf people. They referred to people who couldn't speak at that point as being, quote, dumb. And we know now that that was just an idiom for not being able to speak. It didn't mean stupid. It didn't mean less intelligent. So when we say deaf and dumb, that meant couldn't hear or couldn't speak. Um, they dropped the dumb part later on and just referred to it as Nebraska School for the Deaf. And then the School for the Deaf ended up running for a long time. It taught vocational information. It taught all kinds of, I mean, just, just a rounded education for students who uh, wouldn't otherwise have received a fair education in their own town. So 1869 is when the school got going. There were 23 acres just off of Fontenelle Boulevard in a neighborhood that we call the Fairfax neighborhood now. And, and basically, it was a, it was a residential school uh, where students would come and live throughout the school year, and then they would go home in the summertime. Um, on those 23 acres, they built almost a dozen buildings over the years. And it, it had varying degrees of success. Sometimes there were hundreds of students there. Sometimes there were hundreds. Sometimes there were less than that. It all depended on what the climate was back in their local towns. All the way into the 19, or 1890s, the school was seen as thriving in general, though. But one, an interesting national phenomenon hit Nebraska right around 1911. Uh, the Nebraska legislature decided, hey, you know what? We need to get on board with Alexander Graham Bell. Uh, Bell himself, the Mr. Telephone, he was leading a movement across the United States against American Sign Language. He was concerned that, that sign language was stigmatizing deaf kids and pushing them to the periphery of their neighborhoods and the neighborhoods and their families and the neighborhoods, their families and their larger communities and their whole lives. And he just didn't want that. Instead, he wanted deaf kids to learn how to speak. And so Bell funded a lobbying organization to fight against deaf schools across the country. And this trend hit Nebraska in 1911. Alexander Graham Bell fighting against Nebraska's school for the deaf. He didn't win, though. And luckily, the, the campus stayed open. There were dorms. There was a shop. There was a school building and a hospital and an auditorium and a heating plant and just all these beautiful facilities that kept stayed open all the way into the 1970s and that's when the money problems hit the nebraska legislators began to defund the school very slowly in 1984 uh, there was a movement to discredit the school and have it closed uh, but they the the deaf community fought that off and kept it open for another um, 15 years after and it wasn't until 1998 when the nebraska school for the deaf was finally closed that year, uh, when they shut it down, there were only 40 students, and the, the model just didn't work anymore. But it definitely has a strong legacy, and there's still an alumni association in Omaha that remembers and keeps the heritage open from that campus. So we know that schools, that, that particular school has a deep legacy in the city. The first African-American teacher in the Omaha School District was hired in 1895. So we actually mentioned her on an earlier podcast. Uh, her name was Lucy Gamble, uh, and, and Lucy Gamble must have been a heck of a human because, man, she was out there. She was married to a really famous um, African-American preacher in Omaha, and 
an, an, an activist, a preacher and an activist named John Albert Williams. We know that uh, when Lucy Gamble got hired by the school district, she was that first African-American teacher, like you said, and she was the last one for several years after her. Uh, in addition, we also know that Omaha Public Schools had a pattern of discrimination and, and segregation, and they didn't let Lucy teach beyond black schools, of which there were a, at least seven total in the history of Omaha Public Schools. Black schools were basically seen as any school that was segregated by race that kept African Americans from being integrated into, uh, quote, white schools with, quote, white kids, uh, who we know now are an amalgamation of all kinds of different ethnic groups from around Europe. Uh, but basically, uh, Lucy Gamble was that first teacher to really serve her population, her neighborhood, and her community, and the larger community of Omaha as well. Uh, since she laid the pathwork, the framework that so many other teachers ended up coming through and are still coming through today as we value African-American teachers as never before in Omaha Public Schools. District 66 is a remnant of this, but there were something like 10 school districts in North Omaha at one time that are now part of OPS. Yeah, you know, when we really begin to look across the city, we can see that, or what we know, uh, Omaha Public Schools has always been district number one. Uh, they numbered the districts according to when the towns popped up. Saratoga School District was district number two. Florence School District was district five. And then we had others that were in different townships all around the county. Uh, but yeah, a total of at least 10 different school districts in North Omaha specifically. Um, we've talked about uh, Springville School and Florence School and Saratoga School. There was also a school down in the town of East Omaha that was called the Pershing School. Um, and then we have other schools that are dotted around the area like Ponca School, Ponca Hills Elementary, um, and schools that are further west out there. But all, all those are listed right there on my blog entry. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Omaha Presbyterian Theological Seminary, say that quick five times, and, and, <laughs> and the University of Omaha. So, you know, we have these interesting patterns that began to emerge uh, around the turn of the, the 20th century. Uh, in the late 1890s, well, you know, let's go way back, Steve, just for entertainment value. Did you know that the very first University of Nebraska was chartered to be founded in Saratoga, Nebraska in 1867? I did know that only because I read your blog. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that never really took off. They didn't build it. But, man, that dedication and desire to have a higher education institution was a big burning thing in the Omaha area. You know, the very first one down was down in Bellevue, uh, Bellevue University, and that was founded by Presbyterians. And they decided that they needed to start a theological seminary to train their ministers to serve the Midwest. And so they started a theological seminary in the 1890s in downtown Omaha at the old Cozen's Hotel. Uh, eventually that hotel became kind of a derelict man old place. And so they decided to build a new institution in a fashionable neighborhood targeting the Coons Place neighborhood. A new facility was built at about Florence Boulevard and Spencer Street. And this is a big, gigantic, beautiful building. It had a hundred rooms. It sat on five acres uh, that were dedicated only to the theological seminary. And for 50 years, man, that seminary was packed with theologians coming and going. New ministers heading out to Kansas and South Dakota and North Dakota and Wyoming and Colorado and Montana and up into Canada and all across Nebraska, of course. And so those ministers really changed and created the template for Presbyterianism all across the Midwest. 
but in the 1950s, they decided that it was no longer a palpable institution, and so they closed it down and shut the doors, and eventually it became an apartment building uh, right there on, on Florence and Spencer, like I'd said. Eventually, that apartment building was uh, closed down, burnt down, and they ended up building, there were a new set of projects that were right there. Uh, now it's called the New Horizon Townhomes, and they're privately owned. Uh, and they're, they're still there. And you can see behind them, there's a gigantic open field. And that field has been open for no fewer than 40 years, because that's where the Presbyterian Theological Seminary once sat. That's right, only in North Omaha, where open lots can sit for more than 40 years undeveloped. Fascinating fact about the neighborhood today. But some of those early teachers at the Presbyterian Theological Seminary uh, got really, really devoted and dedicated to the idea of having a secular institution, a higher education institution in Omaha. And so they founded the University of Omaha right there in North Omaha in 1907, located at 24th and Pratt Street in an old mansion uh, that used to belong to John Reddick, a famous lawyer and real estate guy all across the city. Uh, Reddick's son uh, donated, sold the mansion off, and they started the University of Omaha there. Eventually, they ended up building more than a half dozen buildings on that campus and then using the old Saratoga School up at 24th and Ames starting in 1927 or so. They had a building downtown that they used for a law school. Uh, there was a move to make it into a municipal university, so they built up, they, they drew up some elaborate plans to develop a, uh, they called it the Magnificent Campus, and it was right there at 24th and Pratt in North Omaha that the University of Omaha was going to grow and thrive there for all times. But instead, in the last minutes, they got support from the federal government and the Civilian Conservation Corps to build a brand new campus out at 60th and Dodge, and so they abandoned North Omaha and headed out in 1937. Never to come back to North Omaha again. It still haven't to this day. Ironically, the Triple C ended up giving the old University of Omaha gymnasium to the WPA, which was one of its counterpart programs, the Works Progress Administration. And they opened up a community center there that operated for about a decade. Uh, the other buildings were turned into apartments. And then all of it was demolished in the late, mid to late 1970s as part of the city of Omaha's efforts to demolish North Omaha. I mean... Rid North Omaha of old buildings. I mean, take away all of North Omaha's historical... Like, I mean, you get the idea. Yeah. Uh, so the University of Omaha was gone. The Presbyterian Theological Seminary was gone. And today, luckily, one higher institution, education institution, has continued to invest in the community. And that, of course, is Metro Community College, whose work at the Fort Omaha campus is spectacular as they continue to not only preserve the old buildings there from more than 150 years ago, or 130 years ago, but also to build new buildings, which is a super rare thing in North Omaha, and we yeah. love Metro Community College. Yeah, it, uh, Metro is definitely a jewel, no, no doubt about that. Well, next week, we're going to talk about Omaha's kitty land and the pleasure here. That'll be fun. And we we need your help to keep this North Omaha History podcast afloat. Go to NorthOmahaHistory.com slash podcast. Click on the Patreon button and become a patron for a little for as little as a dollar a month. If you like this program, tell your friends to listen and check out Adam's great selection of books on Amazon. And uh, Adam, how can we reach you? Steve, I love to get inquiries, questions, ideas, comments, concerns uh, from the masses. And so I invite anybody to get a hold of me through the NorthOmahaHistory.com website or by using Facebook. You know, we have, I have a really active Facebook page there. Just search North Omaha History 
and you'll come across it. I love getting questions, comments, ideas, and more. So please send me an email, get a hold of me any way you want it. Thanks for listening to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Join us next week as Adam takes you on another guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past.